I'm not saying that they're going to do it. But I am open, and I've said this for over a year now, because of the, the contract situation with, with Zeke and, and the amount of money that we need to get Dak, the amount of money we've given to Amari. We're going to eventually do it for Michael Gallup, for uh, C.D. Lamb, and for a lot of those defensive guys. But I'm saying I'm open to trading Ezekiel Elliott. It's the boy, Bubba, let's come in through. Ella clutch, flawless, can't be touched. It's your boy, Bubba, let's. Yeah, I need that hot take. I need the truth and everything that is not fake. So tell me Welcome back, Bubba Bunch, to another edition of the Bubba Let's Sports Podcast. Episode 180, the Cowboys versus Redskins review. If you want to call it a review of the game, it's more of a Cowboys roundup of the week. There's so many things going wrong. I mean, so first of all, ignore everything that's going on in the background. Just no Beds not made, snacks all around. It's kind of a representation of what the Cowboys organization looks like. You know, it was all for, for purpose. It was all for the podcast, of course. Um, but anyways, uh, just players getting injured, uh, dysfunction. We got a, a defensive coordinator that can't even get Tabasco out of his eye. It's a shit show in Dallas. So, I'll be honest. Um, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in over five years, I have not watched a Dallas Cowboys game. And I'm telling you straight up, I did not watch any of the Redskins game. I saw the play where, where Dong got hurt, which was a brutal play. I saw the play where Ezekiel Elliott just got rammed down by a, a defender on a block, and it wasn't pretty. But other than that, I did not watch a single play of the Redskins game. I said to myself on Saturday night, look, I'm not going to wake up in time to get enough sleep and watch these early games. And sadly, the Redskins and Cowboys game was uh, the first morning game or the afternoon game. But uh, I said to myself, I don't want to watch this. So when I woke up at like 12, I was like, nah. But I went back to bed, woke up at like 2.30. And yes, I know I got a terrible sleep schedule. But I woke up and I turned on my TV and I saw it was 25-3. I immediately turned the channel to the CBS game, which... I don't remember what it was. Oh, it was the, the Titans and the Steelers game. That was a good game. But, uh, yeah, I did not watch any of it. And I don't think I needed to. Bubba Bunch, I think there comes a point to where if you watch the same thing over and over again, and if you do the same things over and over again, I think if you're expecting a different result, that is the definition of being psychotic. And I don't want to be psychotic. I am a Cowboys fan. So I'm borderline there already. But do we really need to watch this team anymore? I mean, like, we're not even halfway through. We're, we're close to week eight. And I don't want to watch this team anymore. And I just keep thinking about when they announced Mike McCarthy, Mike Nolan. When they announced the signings of Everson Griffin, Don Terry Poe, HaHa Dix. I, yeah. Those were good times. Those were good times. Not because we, we knew that it was going to lead to a Super Bowl, which it's not. 
But it was just nice to have hope again for once in this awful year. And now it's gone. So, ah, it's bad. It's bad. It really is bad. You know, Washington is not a horrible team. They're led by Ron Rivera. They have a great defensive line. But they're just not all there, right? They have Kyle Allen as their quarterback. Dwayne Haskins isn't really working out. Alex Smith is a nice story. Uh, Terry McLaurin is balling out. He's probably the best player on that team alongside Chase Young. But, you know, they have pieces. But that's not going to solve the puzzle, right? So it's going to take some time for Washington to develop and really with the turmoil going on in their front office and just their perception around the league as being the Washington football team, it's going to take some time to really recuperate. And last thing on their minds is to win football games and be competitive. Right now they're second in the NFC East. They can win the division. They really could. Considering the fact that you know, a lot of people counted them out, including myself, as far as just so much going on drama-wise inside their organization that they're not going to focus on football, and they need time. They really do need time to develop. But now, I mean, they can make the playoffs. It's sad to say, but the NFC least is allowing that to happen. And when we have an Eagles team that's only won two games, and they've tied a game, leading the division, you have Washington and, Cow- and the Dallas Cowboys at 2-5, and five. And then you have the Giants, who are even worse, which is shocking, considering how good their defense can be at 1-6. It's Can we just put all four of those NFC West teams in the playoffs, please? I need, I need that. I need an executive decision by Roger Goodell to be like, yeah, no one's coming out of the NFC East. Because I think we can all agree, as an Eagles, Washington football team, as the Giants and Cowboys organization fan base, We'd be okay with that. We understand. Look. Look. It's bad. Really bad. But when we watched the, the Cowboys on Sunday, it, it's a team that's lost hope. It's a team that doesn't care anymore. And there's the exact same thing that happened last year with the New York Jets. You saw a team give up. You saw a team really not want to be there. Even on that play where Andy Dalton gets really hurt I mean brutally hit you see no Cowboys players really react you see no players back him up not even awareness of what just happened and that's a sad football team to watch is the rumor of the unnamed player that said that the the coaching staff doesn't know how to do their jobs they're very unprepared Is that the best way to go about it? No. Now, do I think that unnamed player, whoever it might be, is the only person in that locker room that believes that? No. That is one of many that just knows that it's going to get a lot worse if this does come out. And as a group, if we all come out and say they don't know how to coach, it's going to be a long season through week seven. Somehow... There are still analysts, there are still reporters, and there are still people within the organization that still feel like they have a strong chance of making the playoffs and making a good run. Stephen Jones says, we're going to be fine. Every team has their issues. And I I do want to appreciate 
the the argument by Stephen Jones that Mike McCarthy did struggle in his first year at Green Bay. Now, I get that. I completely understand that, and they did end up finishing out strong, and then they ended up winning a, a Super Bowl later on. I get that. But you also got to think that that team was stacked. That team just needed some direction, and they could do the rest. But it fell apart very quickly. So after that Super Bowl, where they thought they could win multiple Super Bowls in Green Bay, it never flourished. It never came together. And immediately you saw the turmoil of Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers' relationship go into effect. And it, and it just ended up really bad. It was a bad breakup in Green Bay. Do we really want that in Dallas? Now, do I think Mike McCarthy is the problem? No. I think he should take a lot of the blame. And I don't understand how it can be this bad through seven weeks of football. And like I told you guys, if I'm going to see a consistent football team, it's going to be either consistently bad or consistently good. I want either one. I don't want a team one week to give me hope by scoring 40, and then the defense actually shows up, and then the next week they give up 40, and they only score three points. I don't want to see that. I want to see a bad football team all around or a good football team all around. Right now, just be bad. Just be horrible. So that way you can get a higher-end pick. So that way you can fix one of the issues on your defense, on your offensive line, something. It's time. It's time to give up. Look, even if you do end up make the playoffs and win the division. Who wants to see you in the playoffs? Do you really think this is going to be a Giants type of season where you only go 9-7? and seven And you'll be lucky if you get 9-7. and seven. Look, I'll be honest. I I wouldn't even say I would be happy. An 8-8 season would be enough for this Cowboys team. Because that will show me that at least they give up something. At least they show something on the scoreboard. But going 8-8 at this point is a miracle. At 2-5, and five, other than the Jaguars and the Jets, this is the worst football team in football. This is the worst football team in the NFL. And someone did a stat to where on the last 20 games, the Jets and the Cowboys have the same record at 7-13. It pains me to say that, but honestly, the Cowboys should be worse. They should have never won that football game against Atlanta. And they were so close to losing to the Giants. This team may have one win. And have they earned that win? Not really. I haven't seen a performance that's a winning performance out of the Cowboys. And the rest of the way, to be honest, guys, I don't see them winning a football game. I really don't. Let's just say. I have the schedule pulled up here. So they're at Philadelphia on Sunday night. For all you non-Cowboys and Eagles fans out there, I apologize for what's going to happen on Sunday night because we were spoiled by Seattle and San Francisco on Sunday night. That game was one of the games of the year, and it'll be hard to top that. So now you have the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys going after that, and it's going to be a shit show. And then they host the Pittsburgh Steelers before their bye and the Steelers are undefeated right now, there is no way that Chase Claypool doesn't go over 100 yards 
There is no way that Juju Smith-Schuster doesn't get over 75 yards and a touchdown. There is absolutely no way that James Conner doesn't run for over 150 yards. And there is absolutely no way that the Steelers have at least two or three turnovers in that game. They may have more. So then the bye week, which is overdue. In week 11, you visit the Minnesota Vikings, who have an explosive offense. You just don't know what they are anymore. Dalvin Cook will most likely be ready to go if if he can you know, recover from that groin injury. Then they host the Washington Redskins again, and it's going to be the same same thing. Baltimore Ravens, dear God help them in that game. Cincinnati Bengals, who I think have played well this season alongside Joe Burrow. And their offense is really good. Their defense is all right. But compared to the Cowboys, Cincinnati is going to ball out in that game. San Francisco, you don't know where they are right now. They're a good football team, but have their bad moments. They've really recovered in the last two weeks ever since the Miami Dolphins game. I think by then, they'll be ready to go for the playoffs. And they're going to destroy the Cowboys. And then you finish off the season with Philadelphia and New York. Who cares at that point? I, I mean, they, they can lose that game to New York, like, easily. And then the Philadelphia game, they're both crap, so who cares? So, if they have any shot at winning, it's one divisional game. And that has to be either a New York or a one Philadelphia game. That's it. Other than that, I don't see them winning at all anymore. And and why, why should they? Why... Why have we given any hope as to say they have a chance to win a football game, let alone win the division? Look, I'm looking at this team, and I'm seeing any Dalton ain't it. A blessing in disguise, according to Tony Dungy. But he's hurt. He's questionable for the Philadelphia game. So Ben DiNucci will probably be the quarterback for more than half the season uh, going forward. Why not, right? Just put in Ben DiNucci. Who cares? No matter who the case at quarterback is, you have the worst offensive line that we've probably ever had. This is worse than like Atlanta Falcons, Chad's, Chaz Green days. This is a banged up offensive line that you have Brandon Knight, Terrence Steele, Cameron Irving. Sometimes you have uh, Zach Martin. Tyler Biotish is the only guy on this offensive line going forward where I feel confident in. I don't feel confident in Connor Williams. I don't feel confident in Brandon Knight, Kevin Irving, or Terrence Steele. This is a bad offensive line, and it showed. You know, ever since the, what was it, the Cleveland game? Or no, the New York game where they just switched everything around. And they somewhat made it work. Ever since then, it's been a carousel of bad offensive line play do I think it's gonna get any better no so you got you got to do something you can't just wait because look at it look Lyle Collins is the only guy for the next few years you feel confident in it, it was a bad year he's been really good about his injuries but this year it really went bad with the hip and he needed a long time to recover but going forward Lyle Collins is going to be there Tyler Biotish, he's going to be there because I think Joe Linney will take a step back from this point forward and be a good backup. But T uh, Tyler Biotish has done a phenomenal job in his rookie season and looking like the next Travis Frederick for the Dallas Cowboys. Zach Martin will probably finish off the season. 
pretty well. And I'd say one or two more years out of him. But that's if he can stay healthy, considering he has back problems. He's had the shoulder stinger uh, earlier in the season, and he's got the concussion right now. But he has been in the league for a long time. Do you feel going forward he's going to be the long-lasting right guard? I don't think so. Connor Williams ain't it. I think Connor McGovern may take over. He sh- Connor Williams has shown moments where I say, okay, he, he can withstand some of the big guys. But there's also moments where he's getting thrown around like a ragdoll by Aaron Donald where I'm not about it. So Connor McGovern, for me, is the future at right guard. Or left guard, excuse me. Or maybe even look at some stuff in the in the draft or in free agency. Who knows? Um, especially with Ronald, Ronald Leary still up for grabs. And then at left tackle, look, I love Tyron Smith to death. I think he has been the best left tackle in football for over a decade. And, but it's it's time. It really is time because even if he does come back next year, you got the back, you got the groin, you got the neck. And we've all seen what happened to Lane Vanderish over the last couple of years to where you don't feel comfortable seeing him on the field. And if he goes down one more time, I think that's it for Tyron Smith. He has a great resume. I mean, he is going to be a Hall of Famer one day. But it, there comes a point to where, like, Doug Free wasn't it. And I'm not comparing them as far as talent goes, but... I'm watching Tyron Smith, and I'm watching what I did in Doug Free, and I'm like, that's just not it anymore. There's too much going on, and there's too many things to worry about. So I think going forward, Tyron Smith only has got one year left if he's fully healthy. So now you're left with only two guys that are really future-proof for the Cowboys' offensive line. And you've seen what a makeshift offensive line does to the running game and to the passing game. Look, with the amount of great receivers that the Cowboys have and the feature that they're going to have with Dak Prescott, hopefully if they sign him to a long-term deal. You got CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper for, for four years left. You got Michael Gallup, who rumors of trade talks, but I think they can get it done as far as signing him. And you also have Cedric Wilson, Noah Bryant. You got a great future with Blake Jarwin. Once he comes back, and even a, a good showing out of Dalton Schultz over these last few weeks. So this offense is flourishing, ready to be one of the best offenses in football. But there is no way that that can happen with a, a piss-poor offensive line. And you're saying, well, it's the money, it's the salary cap. As Jerry Jones likes to say, you know, the, the salary cap is causing problems. And the salary cap does create issues for the contracts that we want to do. I said this on Sunday, and I'm not basing it on the performance of the Washington game since I didn't watch it, but I'm basing it off the last few years. The stats, of course. I love to see Ezekiel Elliott perform at a high level. His first season, I fell in love with football again, watching Dak Prescott and Zeke play with each other. I, I fell in love with the sport again because I saw an offense that has just rebuilt themselves and reformed themselves to a new wave, uh, a much younger wave of talent. And he was so explosive. He was hurtling people. It was so fun to watch Ezekiel Elliott do the same things he did in, in college as he did in the NFL. And then the issues off the field started to happen. I'm like, okay, just get him 
mentally prepared, get them right in the head, and I guarantee you the, the play on the field will continue. Well, the issues continued off the field, and when he did come back, you just felt like his mind wasn't clear enough to focus on football. So the fumble started to happen, and the effort wasn't there. He did gain weight, so he wasn't as explosive, as agile as he was before. And then, last year, you start to see moments of like him really coming together again. But it just wasn't all there. He led the league in rushing in a few weeks. That was soon to be taken over, but he was still top five in pretty much every category. And then this season, the first two games, probably the best play I've seen out of Ezekiel Elliott since 2016. And then the fumble started to happen. And then the lack of of playmaking happened. And then when Dak goes down, he has to take accountability and he has to make those explosive plays. Nothing transpired. And the fumbles and the fumbles and the fumbles. It's becoming a reoccurring issue. And you look at this contract and you say, has it been really worth it in the last few years? Based from that time he did the extension to now, it has not been worth it by a long shot. And I'm, I'm saying that I've been a big advocate, and you guys know this, that I don't like a elite-level running back if it costs an elite-level running back. I am completely fine with a committee of running backs that are cheap because you look at the rest of the league and you're saying a lot of these teams that are going to be Super Bowl contenders – have a committee, a committee, excuse me. They have a, not a star stud running back. They have a regular running back that does really good things and does the, the, the right time, right place, just does the smart play and gets it done. But at the end of the day, you're not paying him millions and millions of dollars. Look at San Francisco. I get it. Mostert is, is getting big money, but with a guy that has been cut from six teams, including the 49ers at some point, and to come back last season and to put up a showing like that alongside Matt Breida, alongside some of those, like Carlos Hyde for all those years, that, that committee took care of it. Last year with the, the Chiefs, think about the Super Bowl, like Raheem Mostert and Damian Williams on the other side. Are these elite level running backs? No. And then you look at the perfect example of the New England Patriots. How can you ever think of a stud running back, an elite level running back in New England in the last decade, in the last two decades? I think Sony Michelle has been the best talent that they've ever had at running back. But guess what? He ain't going to get the money because of the amount of splitting he has to do alongside Rex Burkhead, um, James White, Deion Lewis for all those years. And then you have J.J. Taylor this year, Damien Harris this year. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if you're not Ezekiel Elliott level, if you're not Todd Gurley or Saquon Barkley level. As long as we have a running game with a good offensive line, we're fine. Even the Rams, they've moved on. Look, Cam Akers is a great running back. You know, he's not the Dalvin Cook level out of Florida State, but he's a good running back. But guess what? It's Daryl Henderson that has taken over. Malcolm Brown's had a good couple of games. And then Cam Akers is there as well. Those three guys have taken over for Todd Gurley. And I feel like they have a better running game now. 
because it, it's just more versatile. It's more just all around. It's not just how oh, we got to pay this guy a lot of money to do the same thing. We can broaden it up. And even the Cowboys who went against a similar type of deal against Washington. Antonio Gibson didn't even play a true running back in college. At Memphis, he was lined up more as a wide receiver than he was a running back. He had over 100 yards. He beat the crap out of Zico Elliott's stats. And guess what? They're not going to pay him big money. Why would they? He's not even a true running back. There are exceptions to that. And even then you can make a case for like, let's say a Nick Chubb who has Kareem Hunt alongside him. So do you really want to pay Nick Chubb that amount of money? He's a true running back. He is a, a prototype of a running back. Same thing with Josh Jacobs. But you can still get it done without those guys. So my argument is Tony Pollard has shown me some good things this season. Whenever he's on the field, whether Zeke fumbled or Zeke needs a rest, I'm seeing a guy that's hustling out there. I'm seeing a guy that is splitting the gaps and is running through them at a very high level. Excuse me. Tony Pollard has been in the league a few years, and I have been high on him ever since out of college. Out of Memphis as well, so it's an Antonio Gibson type of, of situation. And then when you look at it, you're like, we're, we're never going to pay him big money, right? Like... He's going to be a good running back. And now they got Rico Dowdle. Might as well give him a shot, right? So why not consider my offensive line's really bad right now. I need help. The contract with Zeke is just not a good thing on the salary cap. And we have Tony Pollard. We have Rico Dowdle that I think in a committee could work. Might as well add another guy to it. Hey, why not bring back Bo Scarborough? Just saying. If you want to power back, Bo Scarborough is it. And I love that the Cowboys drafted him a few years ago in the seventh round, which was for nothing. And the fact that he didn't make the squad really surprised me. But you got Rico, you got Tony, bring back Bo, and he, you fit all of those molds that Ezekiel Elliott brings, but for a, a fourth of the money, a third of the money? I'm not saying that they're going to do it. But I am open, and I've said this for over a year now, because of the, the contract situation with, with Zeke and, and the amount of money that we need to get Dak, the amount of money we've given to Amari. We're going to eventually do it for Michael Gallup, for uh, C.D. Lamb, and for a lot of those defensive guys. But I'm saying I'm open to trading Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott now. I'm saying just leave the phones open and see what happens. At least give an effort, right? Because they did it on the opposite side. They're, they're looking to trade Everson Griffin, who has just not worked out this season. Look, when he, they signed Everson Griffin, I was so ecstatic because I thought we were getting the lead or the league leader in sacks last year or one of the top pass rushers in the NFL. I thought I was getting Minnesota Vikings Everson Griffin. I thought I was getting, what's a good example? I thought I was getting Versace level. Everson Griffin. I got a great value at Walmart, Everson Griffin. The man's not showing effort. The man's not playing at a high level. He's not playing at 100%. Get rid of him. They still owe him half of his contract, but for $3 million, anybody, give us a draft pick. I don't care. Just get him out of there. Same thing with Don Terry Poe. Just trade him. Just get rid of him. They're not working out. And I'm happy that the Cowboys have now opened it to say, look, Everson, you, you played so bad. That we got to trade you. 
The Cowboys model all season long has been we like our guys. You know how bad you have to play to say we like our guys, except for Everson Griffin. I've shown you on film, I have told you week after week that Everson Griffin is not playing well. And he should be benched. I'm not wrong, people. I know my stuff. Next thing you know, next week, Don Terry Poe is going to be up for grabs. Because I think Mike McCarthy said it. Was it Mike McCarthy? They asked him, you know, what does what does Don Terry Poe bring to the table? Because of his bad play these last seven weeks. And he said, he's a veteran. He didn't say it like that, but he's like, he's a veteran. So what? Michael Bennett was a veteran. And guess what? He didn't do crap for the Cowboys last year. So why is he still there? Michael Bennett is nowhere to be seen in Dallas. And he was gone after, what, six games, seven games? So why is Don Terry Poe still there? He's not working out. And this one pains me the most because I teared up and I got emotional when I did watch the All for Nothing for the Cowboys on Amazon. And they showed where Jalen Smith gets drafted. I think he's a great story, and the injury that he he earned, it, it, lack of a better term, in college at Notre Dame is horrific. It, it should never happen to a guy like that that had so much potential. And when you have Lane Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith healthy next to each other, there are moments that you felt, you felt like they were the best linebacker core in the NFL, alongside Sean Lee. This team at that linebacker position is dangerous. Well, Lane Vanderish is hurt. Sean Lee is hurt. Jalen Smith gets banged up. But he's a shell of himself. He's a shell of what he could be. And he took over the play calling after Lane Vanderish went out in week one. And they ended up giving an average of 38, 39 points. And now Lane Van Esch is back. Jalen Smith still play calling. And they've given up 38, 37, 49. They've given up 25 to Washington, which is, an equi- like, inflation-wise, it is the equivalent of giving up 38, 39 because their offense is just terrible. And that contract is so bad considering and I don't understand I'm glad he got his money I'm glad that he got his money for how hard he's worked to get to this point after the the terrible injury he blew out his knee he is he is damaged nerves in his knee there is no way that 90 95 percent of players come back from that but Jalen Smith had his moments and he did but now it's it no could he be a good two or three on another linebacker uh, team? Let's say like the Saints pick him up, the Chargers pick him up. Yeah, I think he can be really good as a a helpful linebacker, not a leading linebacker. But it's time. It's it's really time. It really is because the amount of money that Demarcus Lawrence, Jalen Smith, and Ezekiel Elliott have taken from the Cowboys. I mean, they've robbed them at this point. Is close to what two hundred fifty nine million dollars? Have they been worth two hundred fifty nine million dollars? Yet yeah, you're stingy about paying Dak forty million dollars a year, even thirty five million dollars a year. It's it's the epitome of how bad this front office is. 
And still, Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones are still optimistic about getting to the playoffs and winning this division. Guys, it's it's bad. It really is bad. I don't want to panic. I'm always a very patient person when it comes to the Cowboys. Even though I stream a lot and I go off a lot, it just shows my love for this team and I want them to get better. I know what it takes for them to get better. You, you know that. You know that. I always do a relationship type of uh, metaphor. But it's like... You see the girl that you like, and you know that there's potential there. You know that she would be perfect. But she's so dumb because she goes after the douchebags, and you're just kind of like, well, I'm trying here. But at some point, you got to stop trying. And you just got to say, it is what it is, right? It's not working. It's not working with Mike McCarthy and Mike Nolan, who don't even get me started on Tabasco. Oh, that is... That is the Cowboys 2020 season right there. Like, Mike Nolan. Oh, God. Mike, I, it's, I had high hopes for you, buddy. You know, I, I praised you for having the best linebacker core in in the NFL with the New Orleans Saints for so many years. Demario Davis, you even made um, Manti Teo look like a stud and a pro bowler. But, wow. I mean, it's bad. It really is bad. So, where do we go from here, guys? Where, where do we go from here? Because at this point, I'm not even mad. I'm just disappointed. They're not going to win a football game the rest of the year. I don't think so. I mean, just tank. Just really tank. Get a top five pick. Why not? Because you're just as bad as the Jets. You're just as bad as the Jaguars. So, why even try? So, I'll just leave it at this. What are the things that the Cowboys need to do going forward for the next few weeks? They gotta trade Everson Griffin, which they're starting to. They gotta trade or cut Don Terry Poe. They gotta trade Jalen Smith. Play Brandon and Bradley and I. Start Reggie Robinson. Do something different, right? And then I don't know. Get someone in free agency with the fucking offensive line. Do something on that offensive line because it's just not working. Show effort, please. But, um, I mean, I, I don't want to watch that Philadelphia game. But it's the only game on primetime. So, sadly, I have to watch it. God help us when we do a review for the Pittsburgh Steelers game. Oh, God. But for the Philadelphia game, I mean, just, have you ever, like, you know that meme where it's like the two trash cans rolling down the street, like, going downhill? That's what this game is going to be against the Eagles. But, look, I've given up on Mike McCarthy. I've, give, I've definitely given up on Mike Nolan. So if you're going to fire somebody on that coaching staff, fire Mike Nolan. I'm really giving a stern talking to to John Fossil because I don't know what the hell he's doing. I don't know where Bones went, but this is just a shell of who the, the Fossil is. You know, we're burning up fossil fuel here, and the special teams is looking horrible. I mean, it looks worse than last year's Keith O'Quinn unit. It, that, that is the worst insult you can ever do. Like, the Cowboys special teams last year was so bad. The worst in the NFL. And somehow you're worse this year. doesn't make sense to me. They had, they had one good play on Sunday. I forget who that was. I think it was Tony Pollard. He finally did a kickoff return correctly. But... Other than that, it's, it's bad. It's bad. It's really bad. 
They scored an average of three points in the last two games. Ridiculous. I, I don't I don't really know where to go. Do we really need to like do reviews anymore? Do we really need to? I think from now this point forward, we should do a preview, a little bit of the Cowboys, but then mostly of the NFL games for that week, and then for the review, we'll just talk about where the progress is going for the Cowboys. Most likely goes nowhere, so then we can just do a review of the best games of the week or just what really showed up. Kind of like a winners and losers, but more specifically for the teams itself and just overall. And then we save the winners and losers for specific situations. But I think that's what we're going to do from this point forward because if they're not going to win a game, what's there to review? Because we all know what why they lose. We all know why. And do we really need to review a New York Giants and Cowboys game again? I don't think so. I really don't think so. But, yeah, so this will do it for episode 180 of the Bubble Up Sports Podcast. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Um, make sure to follow. Make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Look, it is close to the end of October, and we are at 86 subscribers. I need you guys to help me get to 100. I want to get to 100 by the end of the year, and I feel like that will – Really set the tone for 2021. You know, get us started for a good year after a horrible 2020. And yet we're still going strong for all the issues that I've had over the last couple of weeks and just trying to figure things out. Look, I appreciate you guys so much for, you know, the support, for all the comments. We're really doing well on YouTube. We're really doing well on, on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Look, we're well over, I think we're, we're close to 1,100 listens. And that's an accomplishment by itself. So thank you guys so much. I really do appreciate it. Make sure to continue to, to support. And uh, if you haven't already, please go to anchor.fm slash bubbleluts and support the creator, support the the podcast by signing up for a dollar, five dollars, or ten dollars a month. You know, we have two people doing it right now. I really like to get to maybe three or four by the next month or so. I, no matter if it's a dollar, man, like the, the support you guys give me. There's no monetary value to that. It's it's all in the heart, and I really appreciate that. So thank you again. And uh, we'll come back with winners and losers in the next day. So keep that in mind. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time on the Bubble Up Sports Podcast. Yeah, hold on. Tell me who's your top five quarterbacks right now, dead or alive, huh? And how much do you care about a ring if the best player got carried by the team? Mm. Now would you lose if it been a better draft pick? And do you cuss when your team...